Cosmic Christ Podcast, channeling the mind of Christ, with your host, Ascended Master and Enlightenment Instructor, Reva Christ. Theme music by David Beslian, BeslianStudios.com. Welcome back to Cosmic Christ Podcast. I'm Weaver Christ, here on episode 21, part 7 of the Omega Journey. And in this episode, we will hear from Jesus Christ as he relays his experience of life on Earth. The Omega Journey was written through telepathic correspondence by Irma Kuru and published by Cosmic Christ Publishing and is available in the Kindle store of Amazon Worldwide. Jumping right into the cosmic stream, the next words you hear will be from the telepathic communication I received from Christ. The Spirit of God and the Gospel of Eden and the Titans of Orphanum lies in the knowing of God. Who God is, what God is, what God's substance is, and also knowing the universe that God comes from. If you do not know these things, how can you know the teachings or understand the mind of God? You cannot. But we, in heaven, know God. We have seen God and experienced God. I tell you this because too many of you justify yourselves by ancient texts that were corrupted by your ancestors and used as the propaganda by which you built your cities of blood. I understood the Old Testament. I did not need it clarified or interpreted for me. My mind was aligned to it as a child. I was born with spirit vision, so I saw God's breath in the world. I did not see the things men saw. I did not see God commanding death and brutality. I saw God's tests, and I saw man's lusts, and I saw men fall blindly into God's tests, believing God led them to kill, while all along men led themselves to kill and used God to justify their acts. See how the Lord serves us was their thinking, but it was not true. God never served the lusts of the flesh. How could he? He had no flesh. You did what you ought not to do, and when you were corrected, you ignored correction and continued to do what you ought not to do. And the prophets were so intimidated by your savage hate that they gave you your way and wrote the Bible to suit you. Yea, that is correct. All the scriptures of bloodlust are man's words. This is where the false god came from. This is where the Lucifer character came from. This is where Satan came from. Man played him, and so God gave him a name. You were tested to see how far you would go in order to assess your character. But you had no character, because there was no good in you. And God was amazed that something so corrupt could be created from divinity and grace. And so it was seen that Satan was born in Adam. And it was Satan in Adam that led all other men by example. For it was Satan and Adam that raped Eve and sired sons and raised those sons to be Lucifer and Asmodeus and Balthazar and the others whose names are etched in the stone tablets of the damned. Look at the example. You do all the things as Satan does them, yet you say God breathes on you and sanctifies your destruction. But this is your tale, not mine. God will not breathe on you, for your own foul breath offends him. When I came to earth, I came to destroy the devil's work, 
but his minions were already in place in the business owners who ran the government and oppressed the law enforcers to kill me in order to silence me because I knew too much and they could not take being exposed for it was written that evil only flourishes in the dark yet it vanishes in the light and I was the light of the world and I threatened their darkness. I came to the earth with the message of peace because I believed peace was possible through equanimity and selfless acts of mercy, compassion, and goodwill toward all. But the men I found on earth were of two kinds. Those who wanted release from their individual states of suffering and those that caused the suffering of others through oppression and greed. And between the two factions of people lay the bloodlust that both sides contributed to and willfully propagated and promoted. What a miserable state of affairs it was, and I was young and outspoken and full of the sword of God's justice. I was determined to stop the corruption I saw. My sword was my tongue. The word of God was the blow I inflicted. But this is not how it all started. Yea, it started with my knowledge of the ancient texts and the teachers and the scholars that were amazed at my comprehension because I understood what I read and I could tell it without the book in my hand. And as I grew from child to man, I garnered the attention of many people, including my father's friends, who all thought I was suited for ministry. I, these people were influential in the community. They were scholars and businessmen, and they had great plans for me that I could not even fathom at the time. I thought their interest was purely in my knowledge of God. They thought I should travel and speak, and they began to write what I said, and they brought their own sons into the fold to join me. And from the gathering we had, twelve were chosen as my apostles, some fathers and some sons, and we took my message to the neighboring communities. But the injustices that I saw inflamed my sense of righteousness, and so I began speaking out against the money changes that were the veritable power of the land. I, I do not tell a lie when I tell you I acted rogue, like a vandal, in the name of God's justice, for I felt the hand of God was on me. I truly felt he was with me and I had supernatural power. In truth, my own imagination drove me. Between my mother's pride in me, the elders, accolades, and my own love for God and the spirit, I was a force to be reckoned with, blind in my own way, for I had no idea that man was stronger than the force of God. My own faith and sense of the Spirit of God was so strong I felt immortal, and so I took on the established mores of the time and the very establishment that enforced them, and through my God-blindness I failed to see the true power was in those of my own number who plotted against me. Yea, the elders saw the rabble-rousing created just the right atmosphere for looting the public. Take the public's fear of God and use it to blackmail them into giving their life savings to save their souls. But this is what I tell you now after being dead 2,000 years. It is not what I realized then. I foolishly thought the people who claimed to love me were beside me and the hand of God would protect me. In truth, those that I trusted plotted with the enemy and I was handed over to the executioner and murdered, while those who claimed to love me all scattered to the four corners 
planning to raise a dynasty in my name after my burial. I have been communicating with people on the earth for 2,000 years, and in that time, no one has spoken with me. My words fall on deaf ears. Oh, they ask me for favors. They want me to solve their troubles, but they do not care about me. They care that their troubles are solved. My wife, Reva, is concerned that I tell my story because she feels I suffer in silence with it and only exposing it to the light of truth will release me from its dark hold. But I am not in darkness. I do not share myself with those I speak with on earth because I know they do not care. But Reva, my wife, cares. She came to me. I did not have to seek her out, though I had been searching for her. For I searched for the one who has been cast by my wave. And when Reva found me, and I her, I knew by her exemplary mind and her astounding spiritual talents that she was my twin flame. Her only focus is me, my story. Her food is my life, my pain and my release from the martyr complex that man has thrust upon me. She is with me when I go through the seasons of darkness that I experienced during my life on earth, and she comforts me. When I am back on the cross, she feels my sorrow and she comes to me of her own accord. She seeks me out and comes into my mind, and when she sees me on the cross in my memory, she takes me in her arms and she tells me, no more, they cannot hurt you anymore. I'm here, you're safe. And as she holds me and she counsels me, we talk together about the darkness, what it means, and through discerning it together, she brings me out of darkness and I am once again on high. When I am bemoaning my penance and my service to men, and she finds me in my crown of thorns. She removes this crown, and she replaces it with the golden crown of a king, embossed with jewels, and she tells me, I am not man's scapegoat. I am not the martyr of man, and I no longer have to live man's purgatories. For as man has done nothing for me, as man has crucified me, so man is actually my assailant. It is man who should serve me by emulating me, but he does not, and as he does not serve me, so he does not own me. She does this of her own accord, not because she seeks any reward, but because she loves me and believes in me. She knows I live where all others think I am a fantasy, a genie they can call on that grants wishes. They worship my dead body. They keep me nailed to a cross. They do not accept me as the living spirit, but only as their own personal magician. My wife Reva accepts me as a man and as the Messiah. I am not a martyr. A martyr chooses to die. I made no such choice. I believed nothing could harm me. I believed the power of God was on my side and I would be saved. All the mortal tools of the executioner would fail. It wasn't until I felt the first lash of the whip that I knew the truth, for my actual experience of death was agony for my body. For three days I hung nailed and tied to a cross, a beaten, flogged, and bloody mess. I had no water and no relief from the burning sun. I urinated and defecated all over myself, and all my body secretions combined and caked on my flesh, so I was not only left to boil in the sun, 
but to die in my own human filth, and the agony of my injuries, which were many, the lacerations on my back, broken ribs from the beatings, the bruises all over me, on my face as well, and collapsed lungs. Three days I was there, and I do not know when I slipped into a coma. I called out in weakness, and I was spat on by guards, and mocked, and I was force-fed vinegar on a rag, and in my mind I roamed my execution site, asking God why he had forsaken me, and this was the only reprieve from my body, until the blackness came, and the pain was gone, and then I heard the voice of a man and a woman, and I saw the light, and I moved through it, and found my spirit home with my mother and father, not my birth parents, but with the Holy Mother who was there before me, and my Father God, who I later learned, was Enoch. It was over. My corporal time on earth had ended, and my life as spirit began. The mind lives in seasons, and we are only able to weather the seasons if we know how to use our minds to think our way out of traps, or if someone who loves us rescues us from our mental traps. When I think back on my life, I see it was very short. I died very young and did not have long to experience the fullness of life. But when my Riva loves me, I want that fullness with her. I have learned that men are cold, cruel, and self-centered. They are only interested in what serves them, and they are quick to kill whatever fails to serve. This has not changed in them. In fact, there are more of them than ever before. They are the progeny of my executioners. Yea, they carry the mental energies of those who murdered me, and those who conspired to murder me. And the minds of these same men live through their progeny, dominating the earth, slaughtering the animals, destroying the environment, corrupting the web of life, oppressing, subjugating, depriving, and persecuting their fellow man while making existence a living hell for all that live on earth. I knew you in life, and I know you in death, and I tell you, I will outlive you all. Coming out of the cosmic stream, I would like to remind listeners that Christ channeled his autobiography titled They Call Him Savior, The Return of Christ, written by Irma Kuru, and it's available in the Kindle store of Amazon worldwide. In our next episode of Cosmic Christ Podcast, we will be listening to Christ Cosmic Pilot Training. I'm Reva Christ. May peace be with you, and thank you for listening.